there's a lot of questions that the book starts to uncover that challenges people's current beliefs and, and makes them update their beliefs. Maybe they're the same, but maybe they've never taken the time to ask the question to themselves. Welcome to the Picture of Wealth, a podcast all about living more of your life now, yet being responsible for your future. Lifestyle experimenter, wealth scientist, and financial coach Dustin Service shares life hacks, wealth tips, and interviews successful entrepreneurs on how they're thriving in happiness, purpose, and prosperity. We've done this five times. Six times, actually. Frankie, this is our last episode, and uh, I don't think it'll be actually be our last. I think we're going to do more. I think we're going to bring great messages to the world. I'm not sure what it's going to be, but we are going to talk about something today that's near and dear to my heart and uh, has spent a lot of time in the last couple of years doing. So what are we talking about today? Well, I'm very excited to be here and to be talking about, drum roll, (laughs) (laughs) Dustin's new book, um, Man's Picture of Wealth, which I um, dug into a little bit yesterday. And uh, I, I was, I almost feel bad to say I was impressed. It wasn't like I had low expectations Ah, or anything, but I, um, I really enjoyed what I read. And I think that, that you really crystallized a lot of the ideas and themes that we've been able to talk about on the podcast over these last few weeks. So I think that it's something your listeners will really enjoy. Um, So let's just jump in and like give us give us like your elevator pitch for the book like just describe it in two three sentences what are you doing here oh well that's i know i'm gonna have to get really good at that elevator pitch but <laughs> I, I think there's uh there's a point in a man's life where you've worked hard you've built up a certain whatever it is you've met some of the major goals that you set in your life and you have a, a like a reprieve and then some minor anxiety around, okay, what next? Like, how do I even set my goals? And is this, is this what I want to do for 25 years? Or and I'm talking about, you know, maybe it's a, a volunteer effort. Maybe it's, you know, something, you know, a sport or a hobby. Uh, maybe it's your career. You know, there's so many avenues that you could ask this question around, but near and dear to me, it's, you know, those, those beliefs that I had as a small child of like, you know, do all these logical steps and you will be successful and you'll have money and and you'll be so happy. And it it really is, is not that I've discovered it's wrong. It's just, I was ready for a different view of things and a different uh, things to look, be excited for and almost live more back to your childhood where you're, you know, kind of just going through the weeds, running around, playing tennis, playing doing whatever. Like I look at my two sons play and how they go through life, but I don't act like that because you mm-hmm. shouldn't, you should act very methodical and step, 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 and, you know, mature. And, you know, again, I grew up in a, an upbringing that taught me a lot of things about business. And I worked at a golf course at a very young age around, you know, you know, I'll call it men uh, for the most part back then. And now it's, you know, golf's developed into a big women's sport, but that was 30 years ago where it was the country club and, mm-hmm. you know, certain things. And so, yes, those that taught me some things, but the world is different than it was 30, 35 years ago. So the world is a little more open. The world has a lot more efficiencies that maybe you can do certain things and, and still accomplish the same goal. So long winded 
elevator pitch of this book is about someone going on a journey. He realizes he needs to make a change. He wants to, you know, do better with his wife. He wants to still be an achiever and still achieve things, but maybe his goalposts are different and it's okay to let go of some of the old beliefs that he had and Mm -hmm. bring in or learn new beliefs. And this, this, you know, guy goes through a journey of meeting people that are not maybe as obvious. And so for the reader, there is people in their life that are maybe not as obvious as one might think. You know, I often ask people on the podcast, you know, to think of the five richest people that they know in their friend group. I'm not talking about the Bill Gates and, you know, all those yeah, yeah. I'm talking about in your sphere, you know, who are the five richest? And then ask that same question. Are those same people the five wealthiest people, you know? And everybody unanimously always says, well, yeah, maybe one or two of them, but not all five. And yeah. then I'll say why. And, and so you really realize, oh, there's some differences and wealth is much bigger word than rich or money or assets. It's uh, it could mean a lot of things to a lot of different people. So that book really uncovers that. And then near the end of the book, you know, there, I don't want to sort of ruin it, but there's uh, there's some great steps this particular guy learns that are there's key takeaways in the book that people can apply to their own life and within you know said five minutes get a framework get their relationship back on track get their wealth visualized get their goals visualized and then work the plan and essentially apply you know we have a model for it but uh it's called the spending accelerator (laughs) and the, the, our unofficial mantra at Service Wealth on, in the other business is to help people live more of their lives now, yet be responsible for their future. Mm-hmm. So, you know, something that you know was always ingrained in my head from a young age was, you know, climb the ladder, you know, do all the responsible things, get the best grades. Of which I didn't get the best grades, but I got, <laughs> I got enough to get through. But uh, you know, make more money, save, 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 save buy, you know, assets, you know, stocks, real estate, all that stuff. And then when you retire at 60 or 65, you will have more than said average person of which that will mean you're more than average said person's happiness. Well, that's right. But, you know, working with clients for 17 years, I realized that, you know, some of them haven't made it to 60. Some of them haven't made it to 65. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, they had lots of money in the bank. And so that, that to me says, well, maybe could they have gone to a couple of kids sporting events, you know, and maybe they didn't want to, but maybe they didn't think they could. So there's a lot of questions that the book starts to uncover that challenges people's current beliefs and, and makes them update their beliefs. And maybe, maybe they're the same, but maybe they've never taken the time to ask the question to themselves. Mm -hmm. And the book really brings that out of people. Yeah, I think one of the, I mean, you start in your introduction talking about um, your grandmother. And I, I found that story like r- really moving. Um, you said your grandmother all her life, she wanted to go on a cruise. And then she passes away. She never went on a cruise. And is it your mother, you and your mother find the brochures for the cruises in a pile behind the microwave? And yeah, it, was I, my, it was my mother. Uh, and I didn't know that story until recently. and. Well, recently in the last five years, but yeah. it was my mother telling me the story mm-hmm. of which, you know, she's almost in tears yeah. and, you know, she's telling me and I, cause she lives, you know, um, 
a fairly simple life, but she, she has money in the bank. She spends, she travels, she, you know, maps out a plan. It's like I'm buying an e-bike and I'm going to ride my e-bike and I'm going to join pickleball. She has never played pickleball. doesn't hardly know anybody <laughs> at pickleball, but the pickleball yeah. court is say, you know, a 15 minute bike ride from her house. And so she asked me, Hey, you know, we looked at her financial plan. Can I spend a few thousand on an e-bike? And she has used that e-bike so many times over the last couple summers. And, you know, it leads to e-bike to pickleball, meet her new friends, play. Mm -hmm. Then a couple of them might bike over to a park that's, you know, five or seven kilometers away, but it's it's easy. And mm -hmm. they have a, a cider on the beach and, and then ride back home. And that's six hours of a loop, you know, yeah. by the time they play. And, and so that, that's a pretty good day of retirement. And yeah. Um, you know, she's not afraid to, to, to spend the money and, and it comes with though, having very good optics into her numbers and us being able to look at a few things and say, well, if things don't work out, stock market, real estate, whatever, are you still okay? Can you still spend the money? And those stress tests for most people aren't as easy to apply optics to and see where mm -hmm. that's, that's our, you know, that's our bread and butter. Mm-hmm. So I also want to, one thing I'm kind of fascinated by that I want to segue to. So how many books have you written? Remind me. Uh, I've written one ebook, which was a okay. course during COVID. And it was more of a, uh, a nine steps to nine essential steps to financial independence, I think is what it was called. The course was actually called net net tough oh, and cool. as your net net like your bottom number yeah what you know like the, the comment like what's the net net you know what's the you know the basically the bottom line and mm -hmm. so during covid you know for, for me uh, i was living it it was you know march 16th laid off two staff bonnie henry and oh, british columbia says no one goes to you know xyz business you got to stay home and i was thinking wow like this is for real. So what are the bills? Like what's the net net that you need to survive? And so there's yeah. lots of concepts came out of that and, you know, reviewing one's insurance, you know, insurance premiums, you know, making sure you got the right insurance for your budget. It's all nice to have the, the best insurance, but maybe when times change, you gotta, you gotta pivot and, and switch and, and instead of not having insurance and canceling, maybe you could switch it. And so that was, there's a course on that. There's a course on spending um, and all these were about two minute videos, two and a half minute videos with a step, you know, a five minute exercise after. So net, net tough was the course and uh, one ebook. So this is my first real fiction. What you call it? Like, what would you call this? You're a writer. Right. It's like so fiction I mean, it's... instruction or edge, edge of fiction. <laughs> Maybe. You got to hashtag that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> I mean, yeah, that, that was kind of one of my questions. Like, I, I found it really interesting that even the way you're describing it, like, I, I, in, it's, it took you until, like, your third or fourth description of the book to, like, really make it clear that this is a novel. Like, this, like, you wrote a novel. And, like, so what was your, I mean, what motivated that decision? I think, and maybe this is, like, speaking more to, like, my biases or whatever, but, I, you know, I think, hearing your, just like knowing you and hearing you talk about the book, it seems like the more 
expected move would be like to write a, a how-to book or a wealth management book that's more instructional, but you, you didn't do that. And I find that really interesting. And I, I want to know why. Well, it's, there's, there's a bit of a story because we have a few minutes. I'll share it. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I wrote it as a novel because some of my favorite books, one was called The Magician's Way. Another one was uh, written by my book mentor, which is Tom Deans. Uh, it's called Every Family's Business. And so in The Magician's Way, it's two guys who work, um, you know, downtown. I think it, I can't remember it's Wall Street or the Chicago Board of Trade or like very suit and tie. And they go to the best, this is the best pub name. Uh, it's called the Bull Market, which <laughs> is just so awesome. But anyway, they're in the Bull Market and they have this conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's stuff going on and it's a party in there and this mentor is kind of helping him, you know, learn. So again, novel, lots of good little nuggets and not a how-to book with, you know, do this after each chapter. And, and I, cause I don't, I think I'd love to know what the stat, the stat is on that of how many people actually go through and write or do an exercise, but yeah, books I've, you know, for me personally, again, other people's experience might be different, but you read it, you get inspired, you maybe make a little tweak to your day-to-day routine and then you go on and you pick up the next book and you give a little mm-hmm. tweak but it's like it it just tweaks your mind enough to make a a, a motivation pivot or a, a change and so uh that and then tom deans is two two guys on an airplane uh so they're mm-hmm. flying to uh i think the bahamas the caribbean or somewhere offshore they both sold their businesses and they both have checks and they're taking mm. their checks to deposit them offshore in you know a high net worth bank account. And they're comparing stories of how they each sold their business. One guy mm-hmm. did it right, one guy didn't. And so they compare and they come up with these questions. So those two books were the inspiration behind it to say, like, I want a book that I could take on a trip, on a plane, uh, you know, it's easy reading. Like again, mm-hmm. you're reading the book. It's mm-hmm. it's not filled with financial jargon. I don't even think I talk about the market in there. So uh, you know, when, when you think about that, it's like, okay, I want a book that is good now is good in the future that my great aunt can read and goes, okay. Or a man can read who's older, younger. Uh, I would say the audience is definitely, you know, if someone's already retired and has money in the bank, they may get value out of it in a sense of how do I pass my money on? There's there's, mm-hmm. just, there's some cues in the book that might jog an older person that's retired with money to to deal with it different. Then you have the diff- the other camp of you know the forty year old hard charger successful person who is saying is is this what my world is going to be? Is mm-hmm. this you know again this isn't a uh, how to get rich quick book. This is for a book with somebody who you know, has a business or a career, they're saving money. They are, uh, you know, you know, hitting some savings and income goals, but there's still more questions. There's still, is there a different way I could do this? Uh, you know, my one example and, and, uh, I'll change his name for the, for confidentiality, but one gentleman, I'll say guy gentleman paid me to help him figure out how to take Fridays off. Mm. So, that particular guy, I've talked a little bit about in the podcast before, but here's a person who you know w- would make you know hundreds of thousands extra a year, and so yeah. he has a great income. He saves hundreds of thousands a year, and 
his wife is saying like, why don't you get more work-life balance? Like you go to the office at seven, you come home at six and you work Saturdays. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, do you have to? And he's saying, yeah, that's the way I've got here. Like that's yeah. what I have to do. But he's also saying, I want my marriage to continue. So mm-hmm. he, he wants to be more work-life balanced, but yet has trouble getting, you know, unattached. And, and so for that particular file, when I worked on it, we looked at like the management team and there was five managers. I said, well, why don't we give each of those managers a 20 grand a year raise? Mm-hmm. That's going to be a hundred thousand less that you're going to save if the business stayed the same. So now you've got all these guys with raises, but you're giving them more responsibility. That's going to let you take the Friday off. Right. So a year later, I mean, that guy is still working on the plan and it's, this is, this is, well, I'm, in his head where yeah. he's listening, you know, that I'm bugging you. Cause I just texted him the other day. <laughs> <laughs> That's Take that was one off. of my questions too. Um, so the, the main character Theo is, is like, as you were describing, like doing really well in his life, but or doing well in his career, but he's struggling. He has some health issues and there's some tension in his marriage. And he kind of, he opens up a little bit, not, not like explicitly about, I mean, he opens up a little bit about some of these questions that he's been grappling with and maybe wanting to pursue some more creative routes that might not be like directly as lucrative than his usual business ideas. And he's met with a lot of resistance when he talks about this with his father, especially. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, has that been your experience when you, when you try to introduce these ideas to people? Um, I would say that it's in the book, some of it's a little bit dramatized, but at the same time, the messages are still the same. There's still this uh, overarching theme out there with, and I see it in my own life, in, in other people's lives too, where older generation sees younger generation doing it different than they did. So mm-hmm. older generation is be, is successful and they believe that's because they did these certain steps. And they've yeah. reaffirmed that over decades and told themselves that the reason they're successful is they did these steps. Mm-hmm. We're now, you know, two decades down the line of when their kids are coming up the ranks and their kids are doing it different and their kids are, are still being successful. But in the older generation's mind, they're being irresponsible. They're, mm-hmm. how, how could this person take a day off? Like you need to be on site or how could, you know, this, but in the, like some of these older generations don't have email. Right. They didn't they, like to interact with a potential customer. They would drive to their house on a Saturday mm-hmm. where, you know, the younger generation can send an email, a text, a phone call uh, during business hours on a Tuesday and get back to them faster. And right. so it's hard to really quantify, you know, who's doing it right. One thing our generation hasn't really felt is a big ass recession. We felt 2008, like, well, I did in, in my business, but at the end of the day, I got up every day in 2008, markets going down, my investment block was way down, that affects my revenue. So if the market goes down 35%, my investment revenue went down 35% instantly. You've got a situation like that where I still went to work every day. I still got dressed, went to work, did my thing. And at that time, you know, thankfully I, I had no kids. Uh, so I could still just work and you're doing things going, I don't know if there's going to be a payoff, but that's mm-hmm. the essence of being an entrepreneur. Right. That's the essence of being an artist. Yeah. You're doing something and you're going, 
you know, that's why we do what we do because the payoff, if you believe in yourself or if you stick around long enough, usually is greater than just going and getting yourself a job and just sort of grinding, you know, punching the clock in and out every day. Uh, and it feels a lot more rewarding. Some people are not built for that. Some people's yeah. personalities can't stomach. Some people's lives <laughs> can't uh, sustain or handle big drop in income because you got bills. Or if you're a single parent and you've got a kid going to daycare, like it might just might not be, you have to work. And so, right. you know, there's, you know, I'm kind of way off on a tangent, but I think that's, that is in the story. And Theo and his father, you know, Theo has always wanted to make his father proud and always wanted to do what they said and, and always look to them for guidance. And at some point in a person's life, there may be times when you use that as your true North or you use your parent as a, a sounding board. But there are other times in life where you need to make a decision yourself. You need to be able mm-hmm. to take in all the stuff because you are the one that's going to have to live with it. My father used to always say to me as a kid, you know, whatever decision you make is right. And uh, it's a very simple comment, but it means that you've made a decision. Right. And since you made it, you have to live with it. Because yeah. if you take a, someone else's, you know, we were just talking about the book cover, you know, what design, you know, like you got all these input from all these different people that you believe are logically credible, mm-hmm. but it's, it's my name on it. And it's, it's my future that, that, you know, is going to have to sell the book. So that's a lot more work. Doing the book is easy. <laughs> that's probably yeah. <laughs> 25% of the work, you know, 75 is actually getting the book in the right hands. And and realistically, you know, when I use the principles in the book in my meetings and see someone's face just sort of, ah, or, okay, like now I, like I, I could show my spouse that we've never been able to talk about money, but that, mm, that is a, a one page picture. Yeah. That's now we can get somewhere because most people in today's day, they don't have attention span and I, yeah. and I don't blame them. There's lots of cool stuff to do in the world. So mm-hmm. If you can take in information quicker, which that's what we're all about, and that's what technology gives us, then, uh, and it helps you make better decisions, you will feel better, i.e. more happiness. Mm-hmm. So I uh, reminded me of another question I have that's uh, kind of relating. Last week, we talked a little bit about Steve Jobs, mm-hmm. and I neglected to mention that I used to be so obsessed with Steve Jobs. It was like crazy. Oh, you, you strike me as someone that would hate him <laughs> i know it's very unexpected well it's not unexpected hate's a strong it, word but someone who would not No, but <laughs> i i hate all the others like i don't know why but i i was on a trip through the mountains with my parents one one summer and they had the ebook of the walter isaacson like that okay. massive and he was it was fascinating he's he's fascinating but anyways one of my um my favorite quotes from him, I think he's describing one of the people he works with and like everyone he works with completely hates and thinks they're like the dumbest person ever. So he's describing, I think it's the guy from Coke, John Scully. And he says, um, he suffered from a disease. The disease he suffered from was thinking that a good idea is 90% of the work. So the Mm. idea was that if you go into a project no matter how great the idea of for the project is, if you go into that, into the project and come out 
with a product that is exactly what you envisioned when you came in, that product is by definition a failure because you didn't learn anything in the process of creating that. So my question is, what did you learn in the process of writing this book? Uh, well, a lot. I moved an hour and a half from the town that I used to live in, uh, you know, which is, is part of it, but, uh, yeah, so it's kind of a full, full circuit journey, especially right where I'm at right now. So I wrote the book probably, I started it about two years ago. So two years ago, Jody and I, you know, she would watch her, you know, Netflix show and on Wednesdays I would drink wine, which I'm not a wine drinker, but I would mm-hmm. have a glass of wine. I called it wealth wisdom Wednesday and, <laughs> and uh, or wisdom Wednesday. And, and I would write. And so I would write yeah. and have a glass of wine and she would be in a show. And so I just would write these little like blurbs and then finally put it all together. But uh, at that time that was pre COVID. So like events, you know, I, I, uh, I used to like, think, okay, well, if there's extra time in the day for my duties, then I could just market more. I could, I could go to an event, you know, if I didn't have an event a week where it's Mm -hmm. like, you know, from four to 7 PM or four to six or whatever, I was, I was thinking I was slacking off. So, Mm -hmm. uh, and the reason I would go to these events is maybe I would meet a client. (laughs) Right. and there's all different views of sales, but like, you got to have meet new people and put them in the hopper and, you know, cultivate relationships. So when I looked back though, at all these events that I've gone to, I didn't have really any clients in the last five years from any of these events. So mm-hmm. one might argue who's a sales person while well, you, you need to be out and about fine. Uh, but I was sacrificing home time. I was sacrificing, you know, maybe a, a workout. I was sacrificing a bike ride instead of, you know, going and hanging out with uh, generally people I didn't know. So that like, yeah. I'm an, I, I think I'm an extrovert. I, I like being out social and being around people. So that I, I liked, but at the end of the day, lots of time, I didn't know any of these people. Mm-hmm. So, you know, very generic approach when I said, okay, well, I'm going to cut that out and I'm going to free up those three hours. Well, now all of a sudden, you know, I got two small kids at the time that, uh, you know, maybe I could contribute around the house and, and feel okay. And you take that away. And then, uh, it, it really was, uh, you know, I had all my goal sheets in 2010 to own an acreage and around Kelowna owning an acreage costs a fair bit of money. Mm-hmm. And so we had built a house in 2014, uh, and in a nice neighborhood. And so when we looked at like, okay, well, if owning an acreage is not a reality, what about if we own an acreage outside of town in a town that my wife is from? So it's a little bit easier, mm-hmm. but again, no business connections, no nothing. I have no, you know, core network. My wife has some old friends here, but, uh, and her, her father lives here. Uh, so we, you know, part of this sort of journey and and my thing is, okay, well, if I want to like actually live this life of more balance, then we need to make a radical change. I need to get out of, because all those events were, were, don't get me wrong, fun. And when you get Mm -hmm. invited to it, you'd, you'd feel like, okay, great. I'm in the loop. Yeah. Well, now I'm here. I don't get invited to anything, but I spend a lot of time with my kids. I have a lot of time to work because I work out of my house. Um, and really financially, we self in a big center, move to a, a smaller center, and we're kind of a lateral move on the finances for how much, but except I have, you know, an acreage. Mm-hmm. So 
you know, that, you know, was part of, you know, sort of this movement to, to live what Theo is, is doing and, yeah. and test it again. It's, it seems to be working, you know, and what also was a benefit is COVID enabled remote work where, you know, for a long time, you know, older clients didn't want to, didn't want to come to the office, you know, it's safer to be at home. Okay. Yeah. And now, you know, they're saying, ah, oh, you know, I have an office in Kelowna and, you know, we got to come down there, got to drive down there and park. It's like, we're fine with zoom or, or even phone. You know, people are saying, Hey, I, like zoom's great, but I gotta, I'm going to take this meeting with you, but I'm going to be driving from my kid's gymnastics to my kid's soccer. And that's when we're going to meet. Mm-hmm. I can't zoom. Perfect. We can still accomplish everything. And with some of the tools we've started on board uh, and in digitization, we used to draw a lot with a pen and paper. Now we draw a lot on a digital platform that someone can see on the screen. So all those things, you know, make things more efficient, you know, back to what I was mm-hmm. talking about, you know, if you can deliver the same thing or better and it's more efficient. And at the end of the day, you know, we're in a service business. If the client is happy, then, then we're checking off all the boxes. If the client's aren't happy or that shifts or people want to start going back to the office, then we start, we'll put more emphasis there. Yeah. Um, I don't want to turn this into a, into a financial thing, but I think that's that. So you're at, to answer your question. Yes. Uh, you know, again, my calendar, we talked about that in a couple of podcasts, there used to be revenue markers. So on certain months hit certain revenue markers, those are now replaced with certain things. You know, my Fridays off are super important. I do mm-hmm. hustle Monday to Thursday, but you know, how many times on Fridays can I go mountain biking in a year? That's important. Yeah. Um, you know, last year, cause I was really trying to push to get, a, uh, get involved in, which I wasn't, uh, you know, sort of parenting and dropping kids off at preschool and helping out in things that I thought were impossible. The thought of like dropping mm. a child off at eight in the morning or, you know, not starting work until nine, that was like unheard of. Like how would I ever yeah. pull that off? So I started marking, okay, every drop-off, I'm going to put a green slash on that date. And so I see, yeah. okay, I did two or three this week. Um, you know, my wife works. So again, it's, you know, she's busy too. So that has to be, that has to be part of the program. And so those aren't, you know, the daycare preschool drop-offs aren't goals for this year because they've, I've already made them a habit. So now I, mm-hmm. I, I almost do it every day for drop-off in the morning, except one day. So mm-hmm. new goals, you know, what, what are those, you know, that's, that's how we're, we're living this sort of program. Now, what I should say is I'm not the plumber with the leaky pipes in the, in the finance department. <laughs> what does that mean? Well, so the, the analogy is like, <laughs> you know, you hire a plumber and he's very good at fixing your plumbing. But and his then you plumbing go to his stuff? house, he's yeah, got leaky okay. faucets because he's so busy <laughs> trying to help everybody mm. else. Okay. It's not that he's a bad plumber. No, he's a, he's an excellent plumber. He <laughs> okay. just doesn't make his own a priority or he's so good that he okay. doesn't have time. In our world, I look at my own finances as a, as a bit of a, uh, you have a sort of a base of a framework that I work off of that I teach clients. Is it working? Is it not? And then there's an experimental component with fringe uh, money. And I, what I mean by that is you have your core of investments that, you know, I'm putting a certain amount away a month for a certain day in the future. And then there's other stuff, you know, there's always new ideas that come up. Mm-hmm. So before I like talk to clients uh, about something or clients often ask, Hey, like, have you ever heard of this? I want to be ahead of the curve and I want to have done it with my own money and be able to say, yeah, that, that did go well. Cause with finance, there's a lot of theory out there. 
a lot of theory yeah. and lots of opinions. And so there's lots of reading and blogs and, you know, lots of people weighed in their opinion because it's easy to do on social media. But if you can say, yeah, I put, you know, X amount of thousands into something and I lost it all. <laughs> and here's why, or here's my analysis of after the fact, and here's what I learned. That's a lot more credible, I think, than simply just a theory. You know, if right. you make money, great. Then you you would share that. So there's there's those little things. So in, in my world, there there is what we call a conveyor belt, or a you know the spending accelerator is another term we use for it, which is you know every month I reinvest some of the money back into my wealth business. I take some of it out, I put it in savings account. I take some of it out, put it in long term investments, and if there's money left over at the end, we purposely spend it on things mm-hmm. that are in our goals and values. Mm. So. Back to the book, I'm curious. We've talked about him a little bit, uh, the main character, Theo. How do you see him in relation to yourself? Is this like a, are you doing an autofiction project? Or? Uh, that, I never I never even knew that was a word. Um, <laughs> I would say that the line sort of blurs into not as much and then sometimes a lot like him. Uh, uh-huh. I think that I wouldn't have been able to write it if I didn't know a lot of those experiences myself uh Mm -hmm. you know i don't want to give away the story but i've never been to where he goes uh some of the of the sub places he goes i have definitely been in those situations where you you learn something or someone says something and you go oh wow that's that's an interesting way to look at it it is a non-fiction or it is a fiction so there's yeah there's story around (laughs) principles there's principles in there that are that are mine that we've used that I've picked up. Uh, I reference other books in there, so it's it's really a combination of some of the things that I found the most valuable in sort of research and reading, and then woven into an easy to read story. So I would say the line is sort of back and forth. It ebbs and flows to me and to to a character. Yeah. Um, another thing I'm curious about. So again, without giving away too much, but this happens pretty early, um, early on, on the, on the book. And I'll just say like, the Theo is, is exploring a, a new, uh, a new venture. It's a contest. And like I said before, he does tell his father about it, um, and encounters some resistance. And then there's, um, there's a scene where he, either the narrator explains that he purposely hasn't told his wife about it. And I'm wondering, it feels, it felt to me like perhaps the reason he's not telling her is the same. He doesn't want the same reaction that he gets out of his father. But I thought maybe, maybe there's something different there too. Like, what were you, what were you thinking? Why do you think that he was nervous to tell her, had resistance to tell her? Uh, I, I would say that in, uh, in early childhood years, like when you got small children, it's all hot. It's all hands on deck, or this is how I interpret it. And I, and I yeah. wasn't like that at the start, but there, there becomes a cadence where the whole world is for the small children and yeah. you sort of lose your own, you lose that sort of, you go from when you're you know single or with a, a, a partner and you've got like your own free time and you can do whatever you want whenever you want kind of and so yeah you've got now this scenario where you can't do that you've got to be at home you've got to make sure that you know mom's getting rest and 
and baby's getting rest and you're up early and you know, you might have everything planned that you're like, okay, well, baby usually sleeps between, you know, X Mm -hmm. time and X time. I'm going to go work out. You can sleep too. And then, you know, classic is you come home from your workout. This is from experience and baby (laughs) didn't, didn't sleep during that time. And and mama bear is pissed. And so, you know, in, in the, in the book, it, it, it kind of brings up that scenario where life has kind of gone on and he's fearful to ask for, for free time for fear of being not being able to help out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it is a once in a lifetime experience. So he knows that's important for life in the big picture, but in the short term, doesn't want to confront that fear of this is going to be a shit thing. This is going to, this is going to cause me frustration in my day to day for, for the short term. And then he, he goes on this trip and comes back and, it, you know, and back into regular life. And I think we're all faced with that at some point where you want to do something, you want to buy something, you want to experience something. And the other person maybe just doesn't share those same values or those, mm-hmm. those same things. It doesn't mean it's wrong. And it doesn't mm-hmm. mean the other person isn't right by challenging you about it, because if it's a big ticket spend, if you don't have your finances in check, or if you don't have, you know, if you're constantly going on fishing trips and then, you know, you're like, Hey, I got this once in life. It's like, well, no, it's not. It's a once a month experience for you that you go on these (laughs) fishing trips and you're away for a week. So, yeah. And everyone's built different. You know, some partners don't mind being away from those. I think of, I commend families where someone works in the oil patch. And they have mm-hmm. to go away for three weeks, come back for a week. You know, that works for some people. It's like, well, you know, some women would say, or I'm stereotyping, but men, man goes away right, uh, yeah. to camp, comes back, woman's at the house with the kids, you know, doing all the work, you know, man saying, well, I'm, I'm paying the bills and uh, sending the money here. So I need to go. This is my only skill I have. Mm-hmm. And the woman's saying like, like, do you know how hard it is to, to, to raise small children and run the family. And, and so there's this the tension that happens. Yeah. And so some women though are, are, they like that. They like that I'm space. Sure. <laughs> yeah. and, and other people say, I could never, I could never have my, my, my partner be away for that long. So, yeah. you know, there's all these different personalities and it's not either or, and some people could be in the middle and, and some people might change your mind at age 32 or something where they just, yeah. for, from 22 to 32, they were cool with it. Now they're not. Mm-hmm. So then what? You've got a person, yeah. you know, doing their, their craft and, you know, climbing the ladder and making good money. And now all of a sudden you want me to be at home, be around while well, our income is going to go down in half, more than half. Mm-hmm. Ooh. <laughs> okay. And, and I often see, I, I've seen clients, I would say often, I've seen clients who have done that where they've taken, you know, they made 250 a year. Hey, I want, I don't want you traveling anymore for work. They come back and they make a hundred. All of a sudden they make a hundred a year and the, you know, the family is stressed out about money. So they they were, they're not stressed about the family work-life balance, but they're super stressed about the money. Yeah. These are the the levers that, that everyone's trying to pull and, and make, um, you know, work, work it out. I mean, I, I was impressed at how, how you set it up in the book. And I think like what you're just describing, I think a lot of people could relate because you do see, you know, you do a good job of, um, 
uh, of constructing the, the, the wife character and every, anyone can understand where, where she's coming from. But at the same time, you see this man and you know where he's coming from. So it doesn't seem selfish. It didn't seem selfish to me that he wants to do, to do this thing, especially because we know that he, he seems to be struggling a little bit. Um, and we know, I mean, we assume that going on this, this journey like following this um, this new pursuit is ultimately going to lead him to be more present at home and and more present with the family. So I think it's an interesting and you've said it really well the balance between like short term and and long term and and I guess yeah I, I thought I found that interesting. Oh, I think I that was done well. I'm happy that you brought that up. Yeah. You got a closing one for me, Frankie, a quick, uh, quick and dirty question. Oh, all right. So we have multiple characters in the book so far. I read about half of it. Okay. Um, we have Theo, who you say he's having, having panic attacks. His doctor tells him he's, he needs to slow down. He's working too hard. He's having panic attacks. He has this trouble with his wife. He feels like he doesn't spend enough time with his kids. And then there's there's another character later on who I think I believe suffers from stomach ulcers because he's working so much. Um, that so you see this like real detriments to people's health. So, I mean, what do you do? You see, do you see that as a problem in society that we have people working so hard that it's keeping them from their families? It's like negatively impacting their health. That that. We live in the society that demands people to work so hard that these are that we have these real life costs of their family and their health being jeopardized. Like, don't do you see that as a problem? Uh, I would say that nothing has gotten done without hard work. So, I, where where the it isn't that I think people should just straight up work less. I think that people could be more aware. The, you know, the human body is a, is an amazing thing. Human mind's amazing thing. And I just think people get a bit on a track where mm-hmm. once you're in the track, it's, you know, some people are, you know, I have friends that are working union job or, and they're like, Oh no, man, I'm going to be here for 20 years. Like, you know what my pension is, you know, and that suits their, their sort of their track. And, and th- they will come to me and they'll say, Hey, I got this opportunity to go work for a, you know, a private contractor, but I got to mm-hmm. leave the union. Like the pay is going to be double. Here's the, you know, and, and I look at it as an, op, as an entrepreneur and think, oh man, there's opportunity everywhere here. Like just yeah. spilling out of the paper. And at the end of the day, they decide to stay at their job. And, and the reason is, is they just, maybe there, maybe there's, there's a, a genetic makeup or who knows what it is, but, but those. Is it because pe- of the, secu- because of the security? Well, I think it's it, a, or- the, the security or um, they just. They just don't care to express, you know, I see business as a mm, way to okay. express an artistic form. And mm-hmm. so with, cre- there's so much creativity and innovation that you can do that that's sort of wh- where I see that connection. Yeah. So to, to your original question of like, no, I don't think people should just work less. I think being more aware of how to make yourself more productive, mm-hmm. i.e. nutrition, i.e. what you put in your mind. So my nourishment, if you're just soaking up the news every night, opposed to like soaking up a betterment podcast, yeah, I'd probably pick, you might be surprised that, you know, when you go to work, you see things different mm-hmm. and you see, you know, wow, I could actually, 
if I, you know, for employees, if you think you're going for a raise, what have you done to raise the value for the, your business owner or for the owner? Right. Because a straight up raise because of inflation, well, fine, but you will get way further ahead if you're coming to the table saying, hey, I've figured out this or I'm doing this different. In business, it's the same. It's if you're serving customers, then, you know, and we all serve customers, you might do business to business or you might do business to client. Uh, you know, what could I do better? And on the expense side, what could I do better with less or for less? And so, again, that's a, that could be a whole nother series, but um, I, I don't, I definitely do not want to portray that message that it's just like, right when you're out of high school, you should be like, ah, we're work-life balance. Like, I'm just going to be, you know, just whatever, because we talked about last time, it, there yeah. needs to be income. So yeah. that comes out of hard work and that comes out of building relationships. It comes out of building knowledge, building skill, leveling up yourself with education um, and, and leveling yourself up by trying things that you may fail at. Mm-hmm. And it isn't a total waste of time. It isn't a total waste of money because now you know. Hopefully that bookends what you were asking. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, that's great. And I definitely enjoyed uh, what I've read so far of the book. And I I definitely encourage people to check it out. Thank you. Well, it'll be out. Well, thanks uh, for talking probably... to me about it. No, yeah. Well, thanks for uh, reading it and giving me your input. I value it. Uh, Man's Picture of Wealth. It will be probably late this year, early next year, complete. So send me a private message if you want a copy, and I will put you on the list. So thanks, Frankie. Uh, Thank you. And I, I think we could probably do another book podcast uh, in the near future. Yeah, I'd love that. Alrighty. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thank you. If you found this episode valuable, share it with a friend. If you found this episode super valuable, leave us a review on iTunes. It will help us continue to bring you top quality content. For more information on anything discussed on this show, visit www.servicewealth.com. That's service spelled S-E-R-V-I-S-S. Any investment topics covered on the show are not investment recommendations, and you should seek professional advice before making any investment decisions. This show was produced by Podigy Podcasts. Thanks for listening.